since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello and welcome to the Real Sober Mom Chats on the Sober Mom Life podcast. You guys know these stories are near and dear to my heart. These are stories from women who are in the Sober Mom Life community, in the Sober Mom Life Cafe, and for a lot of them, it's the first time telling their story. These are real moms. It's like the real housewives, but without the booze. Don't forget, if you want to share your story, come and join us. We now have two options for memberships. We have the Sober Mom Life community. For $5.95 a month, you get to connect with sober and sober curious women all day long in the chat and in the feed. And then you also get access to our Tuesday peer support Zoom meeting at 11 a.m. Central. 
and also the cafe. The cafe is $25 a month and you get so many meetings. You get access to eight weekly peer support meetings plus our monthly book club. You get your own feed and chat where you get to connect with the ladies. You also get to go on things like the retreat with us that's coming up at the end of February and just so many other amazing things. Come and join us. We would love to have you and enjoy the Real Sober Moms. Courtney, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited. We were just mm-hmm. talking about uh, therapists coming on and sharing their story. Yes, um, and how nervous they are. <laughs> yes. You guys are so used to listening to other people yeah. and being like, oh, well, tell me your problems. I'll figure it out. And then when mm-hmm. it comes to you guys, you're like, well, no, I don't want to tell you my story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm very well aware. Um, I'm excited because you have been a member of Sober Mom Life Cafe for a long time. You're like yes. an OG, right? Yes, but I'm a quiet OG. I just listen and then like text people outside the meetings like, how was your date night? Or <laughs> like I just, that's how I've been being, but I want to be more visible. But you still do. You come on with some really good insights for other people, but I'm excited now to hear your story. I grew up like 20 minutes north of Boston and it was like a, like a classic drinking suburb, like lots of partying, like partying in the woods. Um, this place called the res, which was like our town's drinking water. <laughs> we would go there and drink the res. Ooh. Yeah. The res. Yes. So like when I grew up, my parents were like party people, but it was fun. Like I, it didn't feel problematic. It just, and I didn't know there was any other way you would be. They just like love to have fun. My dad like loves to celebrate. Even like anytime we're having dinner together, he's like got to toast someone. He's like, you know, my niece making the basketball team. Like he just loves like celebrating people and he loves having fun. So oh, that's sweet. So it didn't feel like scary. It just felt like just a party all the time. Right. But so he would have these big parties at our house and one, I think it was just one of them had like a videographer, but I just pictured this one video as like every party they ever had. So there was like a band and wow. there was like so many people and I'm like six years old and I looked a lot like um, Drew Barrymore and E.T. when I was little. Oh, so adorable. Like, nobody, nobody's watching me. Like I'm just wandering around. Like everyone's dancing, being crazy. Like they grab my arms, and like dance a little. But I would, I'm just like, what? Like, you can tell them, like, what is happening? And, like, why is no one watching me? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So, like, maybe you didn't feel – or maybe you don't remember feeling, like, scared at the time. But watching back with mm-hmm. adult eyes, you were like, oh, holy shit. No one was paying attention to little yes. me. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's, like, wasted. Like, they're dancing and having fun. But, like, nobody's, like, following up with me. It's like, time for bed or – you know, so – that was kind of the vibe. The other thing to note is that, so my mom was married to someone else before my dad. She she had like a really rough childhood. She got married at 18, had her first kid at 19. So then she's like 26 and she has three kids, not me yet. And she's divorced. Like, so by the time she had me, she's like 30. She's like living her best life. Like she is having a blast. She has these really fun friends. They're going out west skiing. 
they're going out in Boston. Like she's going back to nursing school. Like she's doing a lot, but she's not with me a lot. So she's like reclaiming the years that she lost when she was married mm-hmm. and having kids. So you are her second go around and she's like, no, mm-hmm. she'll be fine. Like, let me, <laughs> this is my yeah. time, right? Exactly. So that is kind of like an important part of all this. So like they're having a blast and I'm like doing what I can. So I grew up, like I was like a really good kid. Like I had nice friends, but I love spending time at like my friend's house. Like I'd always be like with other families because I really wanted that. And I got, got like really close to a lot of my friend's parents. Then by the time I get to high school, now like my siblings are all older. I have three older siblings. And they're all in college or married. And so I'm like an only child now. And now my parents are like traveling the world. And like, oh, it's not, yes. they're not home. Which at the time I did, I was like, oh, that's like no problem here. Like, that's cool. Right. You're like, that's preferable <laughs> when yeah. you're, when you're in high school, you're like, okay, great. No, I don't need mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And then I was having the big parties at my house. <laughs> like, I was like, I know just what to do. Yeah. So. I was having a blast and then like through like sports and just like the way we grew up with like all these families in town. Like I just knew a lot of people, like it was just easy. Like it was fun and easy, lots of parties, but not, you know, I'm not like learning social skills or how to make new friends. It's just all happening because of the nature of the town I grew up in. And I think like underneath, even though I was like, good news guys, my parents are in Alaska, like (laughs) let's have a party all week. Right. I got like a little like irreverent, I would say. Like I was a good kid. I I got good grades. I was the vice president in my class. Like I loved playing field hockey, but I had this like who cares? Like probably as a defense mechanism, like totally. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So then okay, you will appreciate this because I know that you are a Wayne's World fan. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like deciding we're gonna go to college, but I'm also like irreverent. And I get this material from University of Delaware that's like kind of funny, like it has jokes on it. And I'm like, how funny would it be if I went to Delaware? Because I'm like always quoting Wayne's World. And like, that's how I decided. No way. <laughs> this might be my favorite thing about you now. That is hilarious. You're mm-hmm. like, why not make a huge life yeah. decision based on Wayne's? I it makes perfect yeah. sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's well, I knew but it. But that's also like <laughs> that's also indicative of like, yeah, your parents weren't really involved. And so then mm-hmm. of course, like your little 18, <laughs> 18 year old brain is like, Well, duh, Wayne's yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. They knew what was yeah. up. Delaware. Like this will be funny. <laughs> so I go to Delaware and I don't know. I get there and I'm like, this was a bad idea. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone. I don't know. Like no one from my high school You're went like, there. wait, I'm in Delaware, you guys. Why is no one else here? No, this wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> like all my friends went to UMass together or like within driving distance of their homes. And I was like, you know, a seven hour car drive alone in the mid Atlantic region. Like what I'm, the hell I'm still did I laughing. Do? I'm still not over it. I'm not <laughs> laughing at your loneliness. I'm just laughing no. because it's so like our stories are very similar in, mm-hmm. in like how we grew up, it sounds like. And so yes. I can totally 
relate to this irreverence and kind of like thumbing your nose at like, mm-hmm. yeah, anything like expected or like you just want right. to be like more of like, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. it's like, fuck yeah. you guys. Like, I got yeah. this. I'm a badass. <laughs> And then, you, mm-hmm. and then you're in Delaware. <laughs> okay, so yes. what happens well, in I Delaware? I quickly learned that I'm like actually very introverted and shy and don't know how to make new friends. Like I was like, oh, shoot, like what did I do? Mm-hmm. But, and, but I drank, you know, I drank a lot to feel comfortable and to socialize. And obviously like everyone else was drinking. It wasn't like unusual the amount I was drinking, but I started being like, oh, like, I'm nervous to go to a party and like, oh, now I'm not. Or like, now I don't care that I'm nervous. And then I was also like a wanderer. Like I would, <laughs> if I was at a party, I would just like yes. leave and like wander <laughs> somewhere else or like be talking yes. to someone at like a restaurant. Like it was dangerous. Like there. Yes. Yes. You were the friend in the group who was, we were like, oh, okay, wait, where's Courtney? <sighs> yeah. So Thank goodness nothing terrible happened, but like it, it, it could have. Okay. So, but it's fine. Like I'm having fun. I find like my people and I have like a boyfriend that's in a band. Like I did end up having a great time. It all worked out, but it was a lot of drinking and just, a, I remember we had a party at our house one time and I was up in my room and I was like, what is this feeling? Like I heard people arriving and being like, I don't want to go downstairs yet. Like what mm. I was confused by it, but now I'm like, Oh, you're I'm like a little shy or like right. introverted. Yeah. But I was like, I'll just take a shot and then I'll head on down. <laughs> right. You're like, well, obviously I'm going to the party because that's what you do when you're in college. And, right. right. Yeah. Right. And oh, it's at my house. So I have to. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was college. So I get back up to Massachusetts. I decided like Delaware is not for me <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> and then I have like a quarter life crisis when I'm 25. And I decide to go to New Zealand because <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like I was a special ed teacher. I wasn't with my college boyfriend anymore. I was like, is this it? Like, I'm just going to work forever. And that didn't feel quite right. So we go to New Zealand. I did not find the answers in New Zealand, but I did have a fun time. Like it was like five months and it made me really appreciate being home and my family So it's kind of a good like, all right, I'm not going to be like a world traveler. Right. Tried it out. Yep. Mm -hmm. And my drinking was not that crazy there because I think I was like, I got to have my wits about me because I'm in New Zealand. Right. I get back from New Zealand. Still don't know what I want to do with my life. I start, I go to therapy with Jan. Shout out to Jan because that was 2008. I still see Jan. Like she's the best. Wow. Okay. We love Jan. Thank you, Jan. Jan So much. She changed my life. I, I just love her. Yeah. So start seeing Jan, like being like, I don't know what to do with my life. I She always says that one of the first things I said to her was, I have so much anxiety the day after I drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, hmm. But she kind of let me find my own way there. Because probably if she was like, stop drinking, I would have been like, what are you crazy? Right. Totally. So I realized I want to be a therapist when I'm with Jan, because I'm like, this would be a nice job. Then I'm at the Harpoon Fest in Boston, which is like this road race and then a big party. And I see this guy there that I grew up with. Like he was in that same like big group of families that all partied together and didn't watch their kids. Yeah. And I always had the biggest crush on him. Like I remember like just always trying to like be near him, but like being too shy to talk to him. So I see him there and I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyways, we end up getting married. (gasps) Oh my God. I love that you had the biggest crush on your husband. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh. And like, you know, we talk about like, there was a time in our life that alcohol was helpful. And this was one of them because like, yeah. I would not yeah. have gone up to him. I just got my first business card. So I was like, went up to him and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, remember me? And I'm like, I, I gave my business card. I'm like, you should take me on a date. And oh. it was because of the harpoons. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. We have so much fun together and we laugh so much together, but we also drink a lot together. And I think it's because we are both shy, you know, we just right. were like, Ooh, needed to feel more comfortable. And, but we always did fun things like while we were drinking, like we love seeing music. We love to ski. We love going to the beach. Like his family has a beach house, which is really nice. So we're having a blast. We're, like, we're living right outside of Boston and things are great. And then, you know how suddenly like life just happens and you're like, oh, now we are living in yes. our hometown in a house. And now yeah. we're getting married and having babies. And we wanted that stuff, but it just happened really fast. Mm -hmm. So our wedding was up where we loved to ski in this giant house. And we had a band. It was like a lot like my parents, like house parties. Like we had a band like up on the balcony and there was no like formal sit down. It was just like a party. So that was really fun, but I definitely drank too much at the end. And I, if I had to do it again, I would have not drank as much at the end because that's not a good look. Yeah. I feel like we need to have like a specific like wedding regrets meeting mm -hmm. because this is a thing. And, and especially when like tensions are high, your nerves are high, like it's all eyes are on you. And if you're not used to that, like who is Yeah, like, you're just going to drink and then you feel so much shame because you're like, oh. One time I get one wedding, hopefully. And that's what I did. I like, yeah. I like, so we were all staying at this big house, like with my family and his family. And that's where the wedding was. But I like went back to the hotel with, with all the guests and like woke up in someone else's room, like with Dan's undershirt on over my wedding dress, like with my pearls, <laughs> just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, and it is funny, but I'm also like, oh, yeah. So we start having kids. And I remember when I was first pregnant with my oldest, who's going to be 10 soon, I was kind of relieved that I didn't have to think about drinking. Like, I remember feeling that like, oh, well, this is great. Like, I don't have to decide, am I, am I not going to like, and, and I also noticed like, whoa, after like one drink, people are not the same. Yes, that is, that is true. Like during pregnancy, you do notice that you're like, it's because it's probably the only time you've ever been sober around drinking people. Right. Right. And yes. then you're like, oh, wow. Like it is. But then it just annoys you too, because you're kind of just like pissed off and you're bitter that you're not drinking. Like there's all yes. of that that goes into it. Exactly. So we have my daughter and now I'm like obsessed about like the breastfeeding and the schedules and like the naps and I definitely had some postpartum anxiety, although I didn't think it was that at the time. I just was like, oh, I'm suddenly extremely uptight and like care about weird things I didn't care about. But luckily I have this, I had this friend, I still have her as a friend, who was at that time had a child the exact same age and she was writing a humor blog about motherhood. Oh, that's great. So it really helps so much because she she's really funny and it would, like we'd be out like, getting lunch or something with the babies and like something crazy or stressful would happen. And you know, it was just like content for her blog, but it like, it was a different time of blogging too. That was like lighter and funner. So yes. it just made it fun. And I think about that. Cause I'm like that, I bet I would have been a lot, that would have been a darker time for me if I didn't have this friend who was just like so silly and funny and everything was kind of like a little adventure. Totally. I never got into like the mommy wine thing. 
I don't like wine. And like, I never did the like drinking on play dates or anything like that, which I'm grateful for. Cause I can see that like turning pretty quickly. Yeah. So then I have two, we have two more kids right now. They're eight and five, almost six. And like, things were fine. Like busy, crazy, but like things are good. And like my drinking's like just on the weekends, not a big deal. Not like, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't, I'm not like feeling that great about it. I remember Elizabeth Vargas talking about that, like people frame their alcohol phases as like magic medicine and misery. And I feel like this was like the medicine time, you know, like Mm. I'm like stressed and overwhelmed and, and I'm just trying to like, okay, this is our life now. Like we have three little kids. Okay. So then the pandemic hits and I will say, unlike a lot of the things I've heard, I took like the opposite approach when the pandemic hit as far as drinking, because for some reason at that point in my drinking, my body would hurt after I drank. Like, and I was like, I can't feel like that. Cause then I'll think I have COVID. Like I wanted to be like, so aware of how I felt. So I was like, I'm not going to drink and I'm going to eat really well so that I, if I feel sick, I'll know what it is. But that can only last so long, you know. Like I thought it was gonna be like a right. Well, months. especially when it when the pandemic response went on and on and on, and you're like, well, I yeah. didn't know it was gonna go on this long. Yeah, I'm not gonna eat like this forever. You right. Know? You're like, I thought this was a two week thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So started out strong, and then with the ages of our kids, like I don't want to minimize how awful the pandemic was, but it was like a really sweet spot for us in terms of the ages of our kids. Like I can't imagine having teenagers. I can't imagine having a newborn. Ugh. But our kids were six, four, and two. We live in this neighborhood that it's like everyone's outside. Like they all learned to ride their bikes during the pandemic. And that's so and my nice. husband and I are like kind of, you know, we're more introverted. We like really have a blast together. So it was like a really sweet time for our family. I mean, even like getting the goosebumps talking about it. Like it really, it was a sort of like magical little time for us where we, all your kids want is to hang out with you when they're that age. And that's what we got to do. And yeah, I should say too, my whole family lives in my town now. We were very lucky. So you still had your community and you had your little bubble, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. And like, luckily I only work twice a week, so I could just go to my office no one was there and do telehealth with mm-hmm. people. And then my husband was going to his office where no one else was three days a week. So it really like, we just had this nice balance and then he could kind of see like what it's like to be home with the kids all day, you know, cause for a while we weren't having my parents watch the kids at all, but it was really, it was nice. But then like, you know, as it wore on, you know, I, I love my job so much, but like that was a hard time to be a therapist too. Cause I would say to them, like, you know, there was no chapter about how to get through a totally, like, Yeah. You're doing it with them. At right. The same you're time. in it too. Right. And mm-hmm. there's no answer and there's no experience and there's no, yeah, there's no, no. insight yet either because right. you're just kind of in survival mode. Yeah. Right. So that was like, you know, you're hearing the same things over and over, like, when is this going to end? And then, like everything that was happening, like politically and racially, like it was just such an intense time. And to like listen to it over and over and over on Zoom, like you're not even with people. It just was like, oh, this is getting draining. Right. So the pandemic wears on and, you know, we try to get back to normal. And then my drinking's like fine. And then I, 
I want to take this training for work in IFS. Meg Geisway, she talks about this too, that IFS, internal family systems, was like a big turning point for her too. Yeah. So I'm doing this training for work on IFS, which is kind of like a newer kind of therapy that a lot of people are into. And as I'm taking the training, I'm like, ooh, like there's some stuff stirring up. And like, I should probably go to an IFS therapist to like work that out before I start to do it with clients. Mm-hmm. What is it? Internal family systems? Yeah. So with IFS, the thing is you like tend to like an old injury, like a, like a childhood trauma or injury. And you really like visualize it and you like visualize yourself at that age. And like, I have this like little, you know, picture of me in that video that like, really like, that's what like came up for me. Mm-hmm. And you even can like feel it somewhere in your body. Like I would, for whatever reason, kind of feel it like on my side, like whenever we talked about it. And then you like you close your eyes and then you as your like wise grown up self, like can be with that injury, that like injured person and Oof. listen to them. That gets me like right now. Like I think yes. that that's what gets me anytime I think about like little Suzanne, right? Mm-hmm. And like little yes. six-year-old Suzanne who doesn't know anything but mm-hmm. who's feeling a lot of things, but doesn't, yeah. It, and like going back, like anytime they're like, you know, think about yourself, like walking into your childhood bedroom and like sitting down on the bed next to your little childhood self. I'm like, okay, you got me mm-hmm. like that, that. Yeah. Oof. It is so tender. Like it is just such a like, oh my gosh. So the whole idea is that we have these injuries and they're called like exiles that are kind of frozen in time. And you build these other skills to protect it like because you think like I can't possibly deal with the pain of this so I will like have these other skills and there's like two different things you can do one is called like a firefighter and that's like drinking eating disorders drug use like big like kind of distraction and the other is your manager and that's where you become like a type a personality like everything has to be just so like you're doing these things to avoid and protect this like injury that you think like I can't possibly deal with this. Mm. So I do IFS. It was amazing. Like I mean, it changed my life. And through doing that, you know, I could be with that like little six year old Courtney, and like the message that she was getting. And it's so weird because this is like kind of like a weird grown up message. But the thing that kept popping up was, "You are not preferred company." Which is like, oh, that's so sad. Because I'm just like wandering around. Like no one's choosing you. Yeah. And like the way my mom continued to like be so busy with her life. Yeah. That was reinforced. So doing that work, I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm drinking to avoid this pain. And I'm like reinforcing that I can't even be with myself. Like I'm not enough. I'm not silly enough. I'm not outgoing enough. And I should drink to be that way. And yeah. So I was just kind of like discovering like, oh, I'm drinking to be someone different because I'm not preferred company. Like the way I am is not preferred. And like, oh, so that was like humongous. And then I'm like, okay, I got to like figure out this drinking thing. So now I'm kind of like investigating and kind of going into like my misery phase of drinking. Yeah. Because it did turn, like I'm getting up at two in the morning with anxiety. I'm like doubting everything. Like did what I've sent that text, like, was I acting weird? Did the kids know I was drunk? Like, it's not feeling good anymore. And it's, 
And I'm like, all right, so if I do have a problem with drinking or I'm drinking in a way that's problematic, who will tell me? And I'm kind of like checking it off. So like one time we're up skiing with my parents, my husband and I go to dinner and we always drink IPAs, which are like very heavy. We get home and I start throwing up in front of my daughter, who's just this like sweet little sensitive Mm. girl who thinks that I'm sick because she was petting the neighbor's cat and I'm allergic to cats. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So so terrible. So then the next morning, nobody says a word to me about it. Like nobody even acknowledges it happened, which is like classic, you know, like classic 80s parents. But totally. But in my head, like, okay, so my parents are going to say if this is a problem, like that's one person. Then I remember I had a doctor's appointment and like my cholesterol was a little high and my liver enzymes were a little elevated. And I'm like, should I, should I not drink? Like I almost wanted her to be like, stop drinking. And she's like, eh, don't bother. Oh God! The the doctor's not going to tell me. Right. And then when I was with friends, I I was pretty like careful when I was with friends. I think because Dan, I knew would like take care of me, but if he wasn't there, I'm like I better like watch myself here. But I would see other friends like if we're like out for like a girls' night somewhere, which like takes so it's so hard to coordinate. You finally get there, and then someone gets like super drunk and like not in a fun way, and the next day everyone's like, "You are fine. You are fine." Right. I'm like, okay, so my friends aren't going to tell me. Right. And then there was a Halloween where, like, we're walking around our neighborhood, like, everyone's drinking. And I just, I hadn't eaten dinner. I drank really fast. And we have a fun Halloween. I put the kids to bed and I throw up. And I'm like, oh my God, what a loser. Like, it's a freaking child's holiday. <laughs> and I'm throwing up. And the next morning, I'm like, Dan, like, that's bad that I threw up. And he's like, ah, oh, it's fine. I'm like, okay, Dan's not going to tell me. Mm. So like, if I'm going to change this, it has to come from me. Right. So you were like, you kind of felt yourself seeking permission, right? Like, will someone just tell me like that I can, like I qualify, like, no, 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 you can stop drinking, but no one was right. And so then you you came to the conclusion that like, fine, I'm just going to have to give myself permission. Yes. Wow. So at the same time, I have these two clients they're young women in their like 20s and one of them is sober and she well they're both sober but one she's like glows from the inside out she is just I'm always like are you using face serum like what is like she's just glowing all the time she's beautiful she's hilarious she's just I just love her and I've never seen a sober person like that you know what I mean like I I don't have like any sober people in my life yeah. She said something like either the drinks controlling you, like you go out and you're like, I'm only going to have two drinks. And then that's all you think about, or you don't care. And you're like a disaster. And I was totally. like, I couldn't say this because I'm her therapist. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I know exactly. how you feel." Right. But that's so interesting. So you're hearing her say that and you're like, hmm, yes, that's so true. And inside you're like, Holy shit. That's so true. Yeah, like it was yeah. just like almost like when you just have to hear something at the right time, like, oh my gosh, yes, exactly. Yes. Um, and then the other young woman, she's just like such a delight too. And she was in the process of realizing she needs to stop drinking and she's just like so hilarious. And she said, Courtney, how cool would it be if I didn't drink? And I was like, huh, thinking like that would be cool if I didn't drink. Like it just <laughs> like these I needed these two clients in my life. So for everyone who's in therapy, just know like you inspire your therapist. So yeah, keep going. I love that. So like, it's all kind of like coming together. And I know Jill from Sober Powered did an episode about this. So like when your, your brain just clicks, like you just finally have enough information. Yeah. 
and like you are ready to make a decision. So, all right, it's 3rd of July, 2022. I wish I could remember how I found your podcast, but I did. And I'm listening to the first episode and we're getting ready to go to this party. And I like remember where I was in my house. I'm like getting the kids bathing suits out because it's a pool party. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've never heard anyone talk about it like this. Like this is exactly Aww. how I feel. And I'm just like a normal mom. Aww. So just like, I know everyone thanks you, but thank you so much. Like you, you just put into words what we we're all like, oh, what's going on? Like scratching our heads. Like, can we stop? Like, can someone tell us like it's okay to stop? Right. And you did just by telling your story. So thank you for that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. Like this is, it's official. But we go to this party. (laughs) At that time, we're drinking Moscow mules that are like pre-made. Then I'm like, no, I'm going to have a Moscow mule. That actually sounds like a great idea. And I drink it and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, I'm definitely going (laughs) to, like drinking's great. So that was, I don't know what I was thinking an hour ago, but I'm going to continue to drink. Then I go inside the house of my friend's house and I see this woman who like, we always cross paths and we have a lot in common and we're always like, oh my gosh, we should like be friends or chat. So her and I end up chatting for like 45 minutes and she just wants people that I'm like, oh my God, I could talk to you forever. Like I just felt so comfortable. And by this time, like the buzz is worn off and I'm like, okay, let's go outside and see what's happening. So I go outside and I know that like, the reality of this situation was not my perception at the time, but I think it was just part of this, like realizing I needed to stop. It just felt like everyone was so drunk. Like it's like the music was so loud. I even felt a little like twinge of like the IFS Courtney, you know, like wherever that I could feel it in my body when I did, I'm like, Ooh, like something's happening. Yeah. And I just saw like people like grownups when they drink, especially I think after the pandemic, we, we could all get back together. Like there's a lot of touching, a lot of like, not your spouse, you know, like I'm like, oh, everyone's flirting with each other. Yeah. And like, there's all these kids in the pool. I just was like, I have to stop drinking. And I've had situations in the past where like, I either have a dream about something or I kind of see something and then it happens. And this was one of those moments. And I said, if I don't stop drinking, something's going to happen that I, that is going to ruin my life. I'm going to get a DUI or my kids are going to get injured while I'm drunk, or I'm going to like kiss a dad at this party. Like I just was like, I can't, I didn't know what was going to happen when I drank anymore. Like it was just so. Right. The question mark. Yeah. And the question mark is like terrifying, right? When you have so much to lose. Yes. Everything could change in a way that you could never get back. So, and like no judgment to these people at the party. Like a lot of them are my friends and I love them and they're just like doing their thing. So now I'm like very sober. So I get Dan, I'm like, let's get home. Like it's getting dark. Like the kid's got to get to bed. And he's always the person that I'm like, Dan will drive. Like he will always, I never even talk about it with him. He's just always going to drive and we're always going to be okay. So we're like a mile and a half from home and we're driving. I'm like, oh my God, like he should not be driving. Like we could get pulled over. Like he's not like going, he's just like kind of, swerving and I'm like whoa like how many times have we done that but I'm just like thinking it to myself we're almost home we get home there is a corona extra in the fridge which is like the most disgusting beer you could ever have and like (laughs) this is my last beer (laughs) I put the kids to bed I take it out I drink it and I'm like that was it that was my last drink 
And I woke up the next day and I just felt like so relieved, like so sure I was done. So proud. I just knew, I knew in my bones, like that was it. I never have to worry about this ever again. Mm. And now all I have to worry about is like what comes next, but that felt like doable, you know? Yes. Yes. I love that. I love the relief when you make this decision and you know, it's your last drink and then you feel relief. Like, you know, you're on the right track. Right? right. Even if like, even if it is replaced down the line by like what ifs and all of that stuff that our brain can do. But if mm-hmm. that first moment you're feeling relieved, like, I feel like that's a huge sign of like, oh, okay. Like that's my permission right there. Yes. Yes. I just feel like through sobriety, I have learned what skills I was missing. You know, like I don't ever want to be like great at small talk, but I know that like sometimes you have to make small talk. So I like got a book about small talk, you know, and I'm like, it is a skill. Like there is a way to like show people you're interested in talking to them, like at the pickup line at school, that 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 is an important connection to make with people. And then I was using it to like connect with people, especially my family, like on vacation. So like, okay, what am I going to do to connect with my family on vacation now? And it's, it doesn't, it's never anything crazy. It's like, I will really listen attentively to my mother as she explains something that she's already explained before, you know, like. Just really yeah. like listening and connecting and then relaxing. Like, what am I going to do instead? And I have been like stretching up a storm. Like, I'm like so flexible. Yeah. <laughs> As I stretch all the time, like constantly yeah. stretching, like especially before bed, I have this like very long routine and I like bought all this like stretching stuff and my husband's like, oh my God, how much longer do you have? And I'm like, 20 more minutes. That's so I just really have been realizing what I need. So the last thing I'll tell you is we had this situation with my, my middle son this summer where he was having these headaches and we didn't know what it was. And I know that like, if I was drinking, I would have been like, I'd be like worried about it all week. And then the weekend would come. And then you just like start over, like whatever you were kind of like worried about or thinking about, you never make progress. Cause you're just like oh, back where I was. Yeah. But I'm not drinking. So I'm like, we keep pursuing it. We get, then they're like, you should go to a neurologist. You should get an MRI. And it's like, you know, it's getting scary, but I'm like feeling like, okay, we just got to pursue this. So he ends up having this thing called um, Chiari malformation. He's totally fine now. It's not life threatening, but it it was very scary. And he had to have surgery on like his skull. So it was like, what the hell is going on? Wow. From the time we found out, to the surgery it was like a month so it was like a crazy like whirlwind of like oh my gosh thank goodness I was sober because it was obviously scary but I also was like you know what and and I'm not a toxic positivity person at all but I was just like this isn't the worst thing that could happen to us like he's gonna be okay Mm -hmm. and I was like I used to feel like if you shared things with people it was like you know that term like vulnerability porn? <laughs> like, yeah, I think because of like social media, I'm like, I couldn't figure out like, how do you let people know, but like not be obnoxious. But because I was sober, I was like, oh, you like tell the people that will support you. And it's okay to like share with people that you're scared or so I, I told the people I needed to tell and like, they all showed up. It was like a scary experience. But like, it was such a great experience for our family to be like, this is really hard what we're going through, but we're going to be okay. And there's so many people that want nothing more than to support us through it. Yeah. So that was just like so different than what I was used to in facing challenging things. And then even like, you know, he was in the hospital for the surgery and I, 
it, I think it was three nights he had to stay there. And I'm just like his person. So I knew like, I'm going to be the one that's there every night. Like, it's not even worth trying to figure out like my husband's staying. Like, I he just wants me there. Yeah. And I know if I was drinking, I would have been like, damn it. Like, that's not fair. Like, blah, blah, blah. But instead, I'm like, this is just what I need to do. Like, I just need to be yeah. here for him. Or like, now I need to get a coffee or now I need to go for a walk. Like, I could just do what I needed to do. So we just like got through it. And I don't know. I just know if I was drinking, it would have been a, a disaster. I would have made it like my own personal tragedy when in reality, it was just like this unfortunate thing that thank goodness we figured out. He's fine now. But it just kind of like encapsulated everything I had learned. And then I had this last thing I'll say. I had this moment with my parents. I mean, they are so involved in our life and they are so consistent. They're there. They are there for every single soccer game, every single, everything. They watch my kids for me. Like they're so there where like, you know, that was not the case when I was growing up. Right. And we had this moment like right before done surgery where they had had him overnight and they were dropping him off to me. And we're, I think the surgery was in a couple of days and we're standing on my front porch and I just like lost it. Like I just started mm. sobbing and and they just like held me and they, oh. I just knew that they were there for me. And, and that's what they want is to be there for me and be there for my kids. And I could just take it all in and it felt so healing and so good. And, yeah. and I'm not, I didn't even like make the connection between like, we really came full circle here because I'm sober and I can like take it all in so purely. I could see like, they always loved me. It just like their life was wacky then. And, and now they're just this part of my life that like, I'm so lucky to have them. My kids are so lucky. So. Oh my gosh. It's been great. You and I have a lot in common, just like mm -hmm. how we grew up and like the message that we were sent. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that whenever your face pops up in our meetings, like you are preferred company. And oh, we, <laughs> no, but it's, tr it's true. And I say that from Thank my heart. You. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for this and your honesty yes. and, and your vulnerability. And yes. it's going to help so many women. And just thank you. No, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.